please begin with a word of prayer with me. Father in heaven, as we continue with our worship service, we ask that you would continue to guide our minds to hear you and appreciate you better. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue through this new year, our theme will be the foundation. Our scripture for today is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. We'll start in verse 27. Mark 8, 27, Jesus went with his disciples to the district of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? When I was getting my bachelor's degree at Southwestern Adventist University, our chair of the theology department, he was Dr. Willis Dr. Lloyd Willis. Some of you have been there, may know him as well. And uh, he had this hobby. He loved during the summer break, <clears throat> he loved going over to Jerusalem, and he considered himself kind of a, a part-time archaeologist. He loved going over there and digging in the dirt to see what he could find. He did it for years and years and years and years. At one point, he'd shared with our class one of his, probably his, his crowning jewel of discoveries. As he was digging in this old history-filled dirt, he found something that's mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, it was, it was uh, this pagan god uh, was on a coin, and his image was on the coin. Uh, it was mentioned in the Bible, but no one's ever been able to find it. And um, humans typically go, if I can't touch it, feel it, and notice with all my five senses, even then I'm halfway going to probably still reject it, but I at least need to touch it for myself. And so half the people, you know, like didn't even think it was real because we've never found it. Well, as he's digging around in the dirt, <coughs> he actually found it. This little coin, and uh, so it, it, in the footnote of the Bible and in, in, in Dick Bible dictionaries, his name is given the reference as the person who found it. So he was always really excited about that. So as he'd go over there in the summer, he would dig here and dig there. And one year, the team that he was a part of, they were digging. It was about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. It was the furthest that Jesus ever went in his ministry, 30 miles north. And back then, they called the town Peneus. It was named after the Canaanite god Pan. And on the screen, you can see, <coughs> you can see kind of one little teeny part of that community, or at least a, 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 an artist's rendition of what they think it would have been. Mountain, kind of a, more of a hill in my opinion, but in the back, just a solid rock. <coughs> and then these temples on the left, uh, as you can see in the back, um, it, it kind of looks like a cave. There's, there's crystal clear natural water springing up under it. <laughs> it was there. And then if I remember, it kind of basically came into that temple. Uh, and there would be the temple of uh, <coughs> uh, Pan, I believe. Uh, and then it went back underground. And then on this side of the temple, it came back up under the ground again. And we'll see this later. But then it turns into a river. And then I don't remember what the next one is. And I think the next one's a temple for Zeus. And anyway, all kinds of temples for, for people. And over on the right, I think there's even a, a little stage and a little temple for some goats. They worship goats. Uh, I forget what they called them. <coughs> uh, anyway, and then you can even see the, a little bit of a, some steps, but then there's a little bit of a road. 
So let's go to the next slide, Bill. <coughs> that was a real picture I took when I was there in Israel with my wife. All right, so the next slide. So this is um, part of what you see there that's still remaining. Uh, some of you know uh, Pastor Steve M. He used to be an assistant here in the area. That's him in the backpack, the kind of the turquoise uh, shirt there. All right, so next slide. This is right before Corona hit. This is like back in September of, of 19. <laughs> so this is the other direction, looking at that rock mountain. That cave-like thing on the left is where the spring bubbles up and where they had the, the Temple of Pan. Um, and then the road, which I'll get to later, you can, I, I think, is 2,000 years later, so it may have been a little different, but on the right where the people are, that's the road that I think would have been where the original was at. <laughs> and then you can see a little bit of the water. All right, if you go on to the next one. I don't know if originally those uh, rock walls were there. I'm guessing no, <laughs> but they, they trapped the water for some reason. So you know, oh, while we're here, this, this <laughs> I don't think my wife will mind this. Um, because uh, this kind of sticks in my mind is quite a memory, but I know it sticks in my wife's mind too. If you can see her, she's already laughing. <laughs> um, when we went there, <laughs> those of you who know my wife, and I'm not putting her down, I, I think she's amazing. And she's very gifted in lots of areas, including uh, being physically fit, she lift weights and exercise and jog all day. And she loves all that stuff. So she's very coordinated. I'm not putting her down. <laughs> but on this particular day, because I remember my professor, Dr. Lloyd, was talking about this area, which I'm going to get here in a moment, and I'm just like taking it in. I'm like, oh, well, this is the place, and this is that, and oh, and this is where that's at. And so we got, I got separated from my wife a little bit when we were here, and I was more, if you're, as you're looking at it, more on your left. And she was drawn to the water, and so we got separated. And even though the water coming, bubbling up is just crystal clear, and we'll see a picture here in a moment, <coughs> for some reason, they, later, they, they dammed it up. And so when you dam something up, it tends to collect leaves and grass and stuff. And, and so one of these ponds started to collect stuff. And, well, and then of course, it's probably one of the largest tourist areas in the world, uh, you know, is Israel. And so, you know, human beings love to, to be dirty and throw stuff. And so it just started getting a little dirty. Well, the, when you're there, the rock wall started to look like some of the stuff that was being built up, some of the foam and debris and stuff. And so my wife... Um, I remember standing over on the side investigating stuff and somebody says, hey, your wife's in trouble. I'm like, what's going on? So I started walking that direction and I bump into another person. Hey, your wife, she's all wet. She's got into the water. I'm like, what is going on? What's she doing in the water? <laughs> so anyway, I get over there and sure enough, she's all soaking wet. I said, what in the world's going on? And so then I hear the story how from a distance she looks at it. And, and, and the, the, the buildup on a part of the water, this picture isn't showing it well, but a buildup on part of the water and the rock wall looked the same, it looked like the exact same color. And, and taking in the moment, she looked at the distance, it's like, okay, yeah. And then she started looking all around and, and taking it in. And when she gets there, she remembers from before, oh yeah, it's all the same stuff. Well, when you get there, the rock wall is probably only like a foot wide. Well, all that buildup was more like four feet wide. And she just looked, you know, 20 feet ago and then looking at her like this. When she gets there, she just puts the foot down and <laughs> down she goes. So she was all wet. <laughs> anyway, so, so we both have quite the memories there. But uh, anyway, so if you can go to the next slide. <laughs> Memory building, right, babe? Memory building. Um, but uh, so she'll always remember the place too. So here's part of the, 
part of what it turns into just down and around the corner, really clear. So you can go to the next slide. <coughs> um, so it's just water behind the, the temple on your left, that cave back there. It's just coming up. It's just coming up. And then it basically goes back down under the temple and then back up into the pictures of water you saw. <coughs> so anyway, the, 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 the street you can see, well, there's some, about seven people, seven, eight, nine, ten people on it. <coughs> my, my, um, this professor of mine, this Dr. Lloyd Willis, as he was there with his team digging and researching, it's their understanding that on that road, it was made of rock. I don't remember if it was... Um, you know, uh, granite, marble, what it was, but it was, they they laid this road <clears throat> because Philip was the leader of the area. It used to be called Peneus, after their false god Pan, but uh, one of Herod the Great's sons, uh, Philip the Tetrarch, he was the leader. He was the governor of that area. And like a lot of sometimes leaders, they want everybody to know how great they are, and <clears throat> which actually shows how great they're not. And but anyway, he, he was caught up in that, so he wanted to spend a bunch of money and with great flair and make this place really amazing. <laughs> and so he changed the name. He did a lot of things, but one of the things he did is he changed the name. He changed the name to Caesarea Philippi, half his name and half the name of Caesar. <laughs> and so that, they changed the name. <clears throat> but that wasn't enough for him. And of course, he built a bunch of fancy buildings, but that wasn't enough either. So on this road this main street leading up to the downtown area, on both sides of the street, he had statues. And he put statues of all the people he thought were powerful, wealthy, amazing, and important. Of course, so, so they had Caesar, and they had Pan, one of their false gods, and they had Zeus, and Hermes, and, <coughs> and they, they, you know, and of course, Philip had to have himself there. And so many theologians and archaeologists think that is what fueled Jesus in his discussion because Jesus was the master at taking in his natural surroundings and turning it into spiritual points. <laughs> just, like, just like if you say, well, have you ever been to, to, have you ever been to uh, Hollywood, California? You probably, some people haven't, but you've still heard of the Walk of Fame. Well, people were thinking Jesus hadn't been there yet, but partly being God and partly just simply being a human being who's aware of what's happening in society, he'd heard of this place where, where the most powerful, influential people were there. It's like the Hall of Fame. And this is the context, chapter 8, verse 27, where Jesus went with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, well, what are people saying? What do people say about me? I, there's going to be statues of Zeus and Caesar and Philip and Hermes. And what do people say that I am? And they told him, well, some think you're like John the Baptist. <laughs> Others will say Elijah. You know, just one of the prophets. That would be a little strange, wouldn't it? To advertise dozens and dozens of of powerful people, but the most powerful person in the world, he doesn't have a statue. It's like, it's like having the Hall of Fame for, for the basketball, but not having Michael Jordan or LeBron James. It's like, it's like football and having the best, I mean, it's Hall of Fame and you're missing the best player ever. 
or have Forbes, don't they put out every year this list of the most wealthy people? And the person who has like millions and trillions and billions more than everybody else, he's not even on the list. What, what do we call that? Uh, you know, the pink elephant in the middle of the room? <laughs> when, when Jesus kind of is there and he's like, is anybody kind of noticing this? This is kind of awkward. He's the most influential being in the world. But Philip didn't even think he, he passed the grade to be one of the statues. He certainly wasn't God. But other people were trying to be not nice. I mean, <laughs> the scriptures have lots of places where human beings in, in, our, in our human being attempt are trying to be nice to Jesus, at least we think. And they tried to give him a compliment, but in reality, at best, it was a backhanded compliment. If, for example, if you're God, and it, we can't even grasp that as much as we can. If you're God, it's not a compliment to say, you're a really good leader, like that person, like that human being, John the Baptist. You're a really good teacher. You know, like, like Elijah, like that human being Elijah who ran from people. You know, you're pretty good with the Bible, like, like, that, like that human had lots of flaws, Jeremiah. You know, you're pretty good. If you're God, it is an insult to be compared to limited human beings. God can be everywhere. <clears throat> God knows what you're thinking in a month, five days, in an hour from right now. God can do anything to be compared to human beings. That is not a compliment. And they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. God's tr continually trying to help them <coughs> because Jesus, in Jesus' mind, Jesus is God. Either he's God or he's a liar or he's mentally unstable. He's not a good person, really witty, sharp. He's God. But he keeps trying to help them. Verse 29 to 33 Jesus says, well, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him and said, well, you're the Christ. Yet Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one. Man, if he was an evangelist, he would have been fired on the spot. I can't even imagine as a, as a, as a paid minister. There's conferences that would have fired him on the spot. <laughs> Someone gave the right answer. And Jesus said, no, no, shh, 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 shh. I'm going to strictly charge you, tell you, don't tell anybody, please. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the remnant leaders and elders and chief priests and scribes, and he'd be killed. And after three days, he'd rise again. And he said plainly, verse 32, Jesus said plainly, Jesus said those things plainly to the disciples. And Peter's immediate response was to take Jesus aside and do him a favor and rebuke him. But Jesus, turning and seeing his disciples, rebuked Peter. 
What a day, huh? What a moment. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. <laughs> Jesus already asked, what, 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 do they, what are they saying about me? Now Jesus turns his gaze on his disciples. He sets his convicting, piercing eyes on his disciples, and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter, being the spokesperson for the disciples, jumps in there in great sanguine fashion, <coughs> likes to talk and think later. He's, man, you're the Christ, meaning you're the Messiah. It's the right intellectual answer. It's the right intellectual answer, but experientially, they misunderstood. That's why Jesus told them, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> don't tell anybody because they still misunderstood. Their idea, their idea, and please hear this at home, their idea was to combine religion, politics, and the military. That was their idea back in the day. Church-going people had this grand idea. Man, if we could just really get God to you know, bring religion and, and, and politics and the military together. We could just fix this earth. And you know what the majority of people <coughs> in churches around the world think today? I can't wait till we finally can get our act together and we can unite religion, politics, and the military. And we can finally fix this place. <clears throat> That's another topic for another day, but those days are coming. When people, just like the disciples, who were convinced they understood, yet Jesus himself told them, no, 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 shh, 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 shh. If that's your idea, please don't talk about me. <clears throat> and yet there is a day coming in the future I'm not putting it down Trump, he's gone. I'm not putting down Biden, I'm not a prophet. I don't know the day that it'll happen, but there will be a day that's coming when people, including people in churches, will think they're doing God a favor and they're gonna wanna unite religion, politics, and the military so we can fix this. And we'll think we're doing a good thing like the disciples thought. Their idea of God was in that vein. And in that kind of understanding, Jesus said, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Human beings love to get power because when they do that, they're in control and they do it as a response because they're afraid. What did Jesus say? No, no, I, I go the opposite direction. I wanna tell you about the opposite. <clears throat> something human beings don't typically like. I wanna talk about something that the cross. Jesus died, which means you died, because when he died, he crucified you. And their response was confusion at best, and they rebuked God. How could you come up with such a stupid plan? How could you come up with a plan like that? <coughs> the disciples didn't like it. They understood intellectually, but experientially they were missing it. They didn't understand God. 
they missed the spiritual point. And Jesus himself, as it says in verse 32, spoke plainly. It's what the disciples have been begging for for three and a half years. It's what most human beings today say they want. <clears throat> well, how do we word it in America? If you just speak in, in plain terms, speak in English, speak clearly. And he said, fine, I can do that. Let me speak clearly. Going to Jerusalem, the leaders of the church are going to kill me. And in three days, I'll rise up again. Really clear. I'll speak completely. I mean, no parables, no metaphors, no prophecy. Speaking really plain. And Peter rebuked Jesus. That was Peter's <coughs> response to Jesus. If you can continue in chapter 9, verse 10, or read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or the first several chapters of the book of Acts, it's very clear that the remnant church and the disciples, it's like they're walking in a fog. And Jesus is speaking clearly about the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. Just a little side note. I mean, this was God. But even if humans kindly and clearly and plainly share the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection, and someone's response is to rebuke them, the person clearly needs clarity on the most important thing God has ever given to human beings, and that is the cross. <clears throat> they were so focused. The disciples were so focused on what their plan was and trying to stuff the Messiah into their box instead of the other way around. <clears throat> they were trying to make the, the Messiah be what they wanted. My, my personal opinion is they were so focused on their, their version of, of God and the Messiah, they probably didn't even hear that he'd said he's going to resurrect. So it's okay. You can't permanently kill God. He's going to come back to life. I doubt they even heard that. <coughs> I'll give you an example. Say you talk to somebody who's watching their favorite podcast, or you talk to someone who's listening to their favorite concert, or you talk to someone who's just really into television. And if you go up to them and you say, hey, I need to ask you a question. Uh, can you, tomorrow, can you go buy some almond milk? Now, the person might hear you. The person might nod. They might say the right thing. They might even smile. They might even say yes. But the awe, you know this, the statistical odds of them actually showing up with the almond milk tomorrow, about 99% sure that almond milk, that ain't showing up. <laughs> and we know why, because that person, person is so focused on what they want. Yeah, 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 I've, I've been guilty. I ask my wife, I've done that sometimes. You're not even listening. We do it. Men, women, kids, young, old, humans, we do that. The disciples were doing it with Jesus. <clears throat> Good news, forgiveness, acceptance, no worry about the judgment, saved forever. You can't kill God. I'm going to bounce up out of the ground. You thought I've done miracles before. Woo, watch out. This is going to be a high time. And Peter's immediate response was, I mean, I need to get, this is so bad. I, as a human, need to get in God's face and make sure that he realizes how bad his idea is. Are we serious? God's plan is the cross. 
and a leader in the, in the remnant, a disciple, <clears throat> his plan was to chew out Jesus and say, that's all you got? To help humanity, that's your, your, the cross, that's your plan. What about the politics and the bullets and the <laughs> and religion and all the, I mean, the lights and I mean, just, man, we just, 4th of July, I mean, the cross? Jesus says, yeah, let me double down on that a little bit. So he calls the crowd close and he calls the disciples in. Verse 34, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save their own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Instead of getting rid of selfishness, the disciples argued about who is the greatest. In, in, instead of embracing the cross, they rebuked Jesus because of it. Instead of saying, like he did two verses ago, <coughs> you're God, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. Whatever you say is always right. Instead of saying, your plan is the best plan, they, they rebuked him and at best were confused and said, I mean, really? we got to come up with a better plan than that. I know you're the Messiah, but you might want to talk to that guy up there because, I mean, I don't know. Actually, I do know that's a bad plan. <coughs> Yet the, <coughs> to me as a Adventist, Christian, remnant, and a minister, to me, the part that, that gets my attention, one of the things is despite what's happening here, <clears throat> despite the, the, the disciples' confusion, and they were confused at best, they, ran around, they went around telling people about the God in heaven. They went around telling people about the Jesus on earth. They went around talking about the authority of the Bible. They went around talking about the importance of prophecy. You know, they, they talked to people about a lot of stuff that intellectually had some truth. But experientially, they were missing it badly. You don't have to take my word for it. You can read the context. It's quite clear. If God says, here's my plan, and humans rebuke God, that's a problem. Read any of the Gospels. <clears throat> they, they, they were missing it until well after the cross. They finally got it. You didn't even have to have the level of discernment Jesus did. You could see it was missing from their lives. How in the world do you go into a town and, and ask God to send down thunder and lightning? How do you push away little kids? How do you push away women asking for help? How do you argue about who's the greatest and you're not mentioning Jesus? 
the disciples were confused. They didn't have that, that, that deep experience in their soul that God wanted them to have. <clears throat> Another way that I know they didn't have it, because when Jesus died, that's what crucifies our sin. That's what stops it. That's what heals it. That's what forgives it. Forgives it. And the only way that happens is it's a byproduct of the cross. And if you don't accept the cross, none of those things are our benefits. None of them. And they rebuked the cross. So guess what? You don't get those things. <clears throat> because the Holy Spirit gives the benefits through the cross. And if we reject the cross, good luck on getting any of that stuff now or eternity. It does not happen. God wanted to give them deep things for their soul. He didn't want to just change their vocabulary. Oh, you're the Messiah. That's a cute word. Is it affecting your life? Do you have peace at work? Do you have peace at the grocery store? Do you, and I'm not trying to offend people at home, but do you have peace to leave your house? We're Seventh-day Adventists who our main message is supposed to be Jesus. I don't hear it enough, but it's supposed to be Jesus. But at least in the conversation, a part of our message is, hey, the world doesn't get better. Sorry, it gets worse before Jesus comes back. <clears throat> you picked a denomination. I'm not picking on anybody. You picked a denomination. The majority of the world, atheist, agnostic, even professed believer, the majority of the world are not in a church. Even before COVID, majority was not in a church. And now in COVID, most everybody's at home. And yet, I don't have a day, I don't have an hour, but it certainly looks like we're speeding up to getting to the end. And the majority of the world is still at home watching CNN to tell you about the end. And Jesus wants to give people peace. I could be wrong, <clears throat> but as I, I look at social media once in a while, I, I'm not seeing peace. <clears throat> Even the little kids in the kids story, what did they say happened this week at, over in D.C.? That didn't look like peace to me. I could care less about politics. Vote for whoever you want, Republican, Democrat, neither will save us. Newsflash. I mean, I, I know people that I consider friends and family. They're just getting sideways on social media. Some politician, are we kidding me? Jesus never spent 10 minutes on the politicians. We're supposed to have peace. We're supposed to have love and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control. And yet this world, I mean, my word is falling apart over everything almost everything. And that's not new. It was happening back in their day. <clears throat> they didn't get along so well. That's why Jesus wanted to give the Holy Spirit to give them the fruits of the Spirit. But it only comes as a gift through Jesus' death and resurrection at the cross. If we don't understand it, if we're confused, if we don't accept it, we're not getting those benefits. Mark, 827. Jesus went to the district of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, What do people say that I am? And they said, Well, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say some of the prophets. And 
Verse 29, he asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? As you saw from the video as we started, that little two-minute video, all these years later, about 2,000, approximately 2,000 years later, in America, we're supposed to be the, the crowning jewel of the world. We're educated, we're smart. I mean, man, we're, this is the place. Jesus, at best, still gets mixed reviews. He's the Messiah. He's my leader. He's a bad leader. He's a good teacher. Oh, he's magical. He's not my leader. He's not real. That was on the streets of America. <clears throat> we still have tremendous confusion while God wants to bring depth to our soul, not just touch our verbal and religious vocabulary. He wants to give us benefits, real benefits. So if you lose your job, you don't panic. <coughs> it's terrible, but you can hold on and realize God can help you through it. If you get sick, you don't have to lose your peace of mind. You can realize God can help you through it. When people die, and they do, this world has been horrible. The minute Adam and Eve decided to think, I've got a better plan than God does, this world has been in the process of falling apart. In addition to all the other horrible ways we can hurt ourselves and die, now we have a new way called COVID. But there's still plenty of other ways. And God needs to continue to give us peace even when those bad, terrible things happen and people die. We need comforted. We need the faith. And when bad things happen, and they are, and when worse things will happen in the future, and they will, we need Jesus in the depth of our soul. So our response is to be under control. These things don't come naturally to human beings. They don't. They're a gift to people who have accepted Jesus and his cross. When the world back then and today are begging for the religion, for politics and military to come together and solve their problem back then, and there's echoes of it today, God's response then is God's response today as I close. The response is the same. Jesus went to the cross. He gave up the power. But what he has is the ability to stop you from being selfish and sinful and destructive and give you peace and happiness and wholeness and balance and rightness of mind. And if our response is like Peter's to say, I mean, can I finally get ahead in this world? I'd like my business adventure to move forward. Can I get a raise? We need, we just, I mean, can we get some good leaders in this country finally so they can fix this place? Jesus never, when Jesus walked the earth, not once did he look to his own leaders or Rome and say, if they could just fix this place. And yet people in churches all around the world are praying those prayers. If we could just fix this place, be careful what you ask for.
in the context of powerful people lining the streets of who's who and Bill Gates and all, you know, whoever, I can't think of it. Powerful people, military, politics, money, powerful, famous people. When they talk, man, we're going to do it. Jesus was in the equivalent of that in his day, and they were lining the streets. And Jesus talked to his disciples and turned to them, and he said, Who do you say that I am? It's a simple but deep question. Who do you say Jesus is?